I had intended to wrap up my series of lessons on essential doctrines this morning, but because of the snow, many were not able to get out this morning. And the subject of the, the final lesson was going to be the, the doctrine concerning the bridal truth. And there are some that have not heard that, at least not in detail. And so I'd kind of like to wait until they would have an opportunity as well. Not everyone listens to the podcast. So uh, I thought I'd uh, give uh, a lesson I've given before. It's kind of a companion lesson uh, that would go along with this series on essential doctrine. And the title that I've given it is The Extremes of the Flesh Concerning the Attitude Toward the Truth Concerning These Essential Doctrines that We've Been Considering. There are two extremes that the flesh has taken among God's people when we talk about the importance of truth, the importance of sound doctrine. And what we're going to find out is both of these extremes are very dangerous. And there's a scriptural balance that we want to maintain when we talk about doctrine, when we talk about why these truths that we've been considering, why they are important for us to know and yet to maintain a balance that is in accordance with God's will concerning why he gave us these teachings, which is what doctrine means, and to guard against the two extremes. The first extreme attitude that people have, that God's people have towards the truth, is that we think that we are the source of truth, or our church, or our pastor, or our Bible school, that People can't really know the will of God unless they know us. And you say, oh, well, that's, that's pretty extreme. Well, yeah, that's the point. And yet it is very common among God's people that unless people know us, they can't have God's best. And that's such a dangerous extreme that we have noticed over the years and throughout Christian history that there are those that have that attitude, we are the source of God's truth. The other extreme towards truth is that truth really doesn't matter. There are churches that actually boast in saying that we want you to believe whatever you want to believe. Everyone's welcome here, and we're not going to teach on these different doctrines that, that we've been teaching on and considering because those things cause division. And they cause people to be uncomfortable when you talk about some of these things, like the very basic need to repent of your sin and to accept Jesus as your Savior, to even use the word sinner. Uh, that, that's offensive to people, so we're not going to talk about that. You're welcome in our church, no matter what you believe. And that extreme is every bit as dangerous as the other extreme, thinking that we are the source of truth. And so we want to look at these, these two extremes as we see them in Scripture and then as we see them among God's people today. So that first extreme, it's nothing new for people to think that they are the source of God's truth and that if you want to know God and to know his way, you have to know them first. That mentality is a corruption that we see way back in Jesus's ministry Let's go to Matthew 16, where Jesus often talks about the Pharisees. This is Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll read verse 6. We'll read several passages here in Matthew. But Jesus often warns about the doctrine of the Pharisees. Now, who were the Pharisees? 
They were the Jews of the day, the religious leaders of the day among the Jews. They studied the Bible, which at that time was just consisted of the Old Testament. They knew the law of Moses. They were the religious experts of the day. But they came to a place where they thought that they had a corner market on truth, on God's truth. And because of that mentality, they actually became a group that was the furthest from knowing and doing the will of God as anyone in society at that time. And so Jesus says in Matthew 16 and verse 6, Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven. He's talking about their doctrine and leaven puffs up. It's a lot of air, but no substance. And so he's saying about their doctrine, about what they teach and what they practice, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, another uh, group. The Sadducees were another group of the leadership of the Jews of that day. Then let's go to verse 12 of Matthew 16, where Jesus says, when then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So they, they understood the analogy that Jesus was using there. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 23 and verses 1 to 3. Now remember, Jesus is talking about those that were considered the expert on knowing the will of God. Matthew chapter 23 and verses 1 to 3. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now Moses and the law that was given to him, that was the, that was the authority, the law of the land among the Jews. And so now he's saying the scribes and the Pharisees are sitting in that seat, pretending to be the law of the land, pretending to be the mouthpiece for God. Verse 3, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. When they teach you the law of Moses, listen and do what the law instructs you. When they teach you the law of Moses. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not. And so the, the Pharisees knew the will of God. They taught the will of God. Then they added a bunch of things in order to preserve their own power and authority. They added things to the law, but they did teach the basic law. But then they added things in order to dominate the people with their ideas and their power and their authority. But they themselves did not obey what they taught. They didn't walk the walk. They, they talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. Now let's jump down to verse 6 of Matthew 23. And verses 6 to 12. So this very attitude we still see among God's people today. They love the best seats at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called by men rabbi, rabbi, which means teacher. You're a teacher. You know things we need to know. But you do not be called rabbi, talking to his disciples, Jesus talking to his disciples. For one is your teacher, the Christ and you are all brethren. So the Pharisees, the Sadducees were putting themselves up as superior to the rest of the Jews. We know more than you. And if you want to know what we know, you have to come to us. You have to do what we say. 
But Jesus taught his disciples, that's not your attitude. You're all the same. Don't call yourself teacher. In other words, don't seek that exalted place. Do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father, he who is in heaven. I had a Latin worker on the job. Knowing I was pastor, he would, because of his Catholic background, he would always call me father. And I finally said, you can call me Doug or pastor if you'd like. But my name is Doug. But they, they take that exalted place. God says, I'm your father. Jesus told them, the God is your father, your only father. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ, Jesus, who is going, who came to reveal the full plan and purpose of redemption for the human race. He's your teacher. Not the Pharisees aren't the source of truth. God is the source of truth. Jesus Christ is the source of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 11, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So do you see how this, this balance is of, first of all, the extreme, you know, we're the source of truth, we know it all, and if you want to know God and his fullness, you have to know us. Um, you have to do what we say. You have to do what you're told. There are many churches, denominations, and cults that have fallen into that extreme attitude towards truth. Notice in Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees, he, he tells the crowd that the Pharisees are not the source of truth, but God and the Christ. Let's go to Third John and verses 5 through 12. There's just one chapter in the third epistle of John, Third John, toward the back of the New Testament there, and verses 5 through 12. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for the strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for what? The truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Any people like that today in the church? Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that he himself does not receive the brethren and those who wish to, putting them out of the church. You see, this attitude was from the very beginning. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does what is good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. He walks the walk. He preaches, teaches truth, and he lives it. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. So John had sent some brethren to the church, and they were brethren of good testimony who preached the word of God, who preached truth, who preached sound doctrine. But Diotrephus was a leader in the church there where John sent these men, and he was intimidated by them, thinking he was going to lose his power and prestige and influence over the congregation. And so he didn't receive them because he was the one who had power and authority and knew the doctrine. 
and he wasn't going to give place to anyone else. And, of course, John, the disciple of Christ, who walked with Christ, who heard the words of Christ, he knew sound doctrine. And John says, whoever is walking in truth and preaching truth, they should be received. Because there's not one man, there's not one church, there's not one group that is the source of truth. God is the source. His word, the Bible, Jesus Christ is the source of truth. We've had examples over the years of different cults where they try to control the group that has followed them and do what you're told, and some even to the point of committing suicide, because they thought they were the source of truth. We can avoid that if we know who the source of truth really is. Let's go to the second extreme, that truth isn't important. This is every bit as dangerous as the first one. And this one probably is even more prominent today among Christians. They don't feel it's important to have the kinds of lessons that we've just had over the several weeks and months about the essential doctrines, sound doctrine, what the Bible teaches about every aspect of our belief and every aspect of our conduct. That, that's not important. Often they simply say, let's just love God and love one another. Anyone ever heard that when somebody says, you know, I don't want to hear you talking about how important it is to know these doctrines. Just, just, let's just love one another. But that's impossible without knowing truth. I can't love you. I can't love God as I should without knowing what his will is. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. If I don't know what his commandments are, if I don't know what his teachings are, if I don't know what his will and desire is for my life, how can I do it? And therefore, how can I love him? And the same is true with, with you. How can I seek your best if I don't know what is best for you? If I don't know what God's will has been revealed to be for every relationship in your life, I can't love you as I should if I don't know the will of God. And so that that attitude of, well, you know, doctrine doesn't matter. Don't get stuck on that. Let's just encourage one another and let's just be happy. And, well, joy comes from knowing and doing the will of God. All through the Old Testament, I'll give you a few scriptures you can jot down if you want. For time's sake, we won't read them. But if you want to jot down Jeremiah chapter 23 and verses 16 to 18, it's just one example. Jeremiah 23 and verses 16 to 18 God warns his people not to listen to just any one who declares they know the will of God, any prophet, any prophecy, because there were many false prophets among God's people in that day, and there are many today that say, I know the will of God, and I'm just going to tell you, these things aren't important. When God's word declares they are important, they are essential. Let's go to the New Testament where Paul teaches us in 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul warned us that this mentality would exist among Christians in the, this church age. So he says, verse 3, 2 Timothy 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The Holy Spirit warned us this was coming, and we see it today. 
you see churches teaching things that are contrary to the Bible, and people swallow them up because that's what they want to hear. There are so many that follow the prosperity message where people tell them, if you have faith, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, you'll, you'll never have any problems, you'll never be sick, you'll always have lots of money, you'll have everything that you could ever possibly want because you're a Christian. People want to hear that. I would like to hear that if it was true, but the Bible tells us it's not true. And so there are those that say, well, don't tell us about what the Bible teaches about suffering. We'll consider that in our final lesson, Lord willing, next week. Don't talk about suffering. We don't want to hear suffering. That doesn't tickle our ears. And yet that is one of the essential doctrines of the Bible. Those who will live godly will suffer persecution. The Bible teaches that. That's the revealed will of God. Also teaches that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I thank God for the balance of Scripture. But we have to teach it all. We have to accept it all. First Timothy chapter 1. Here in this passage, we see that that whole thought of let's don't teach doctrine Let's don't talk about things that make people uncomfortable sometimes. Let's just talk about the things that that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling. Nothing, I have nothing against warm, fuzzy feelings as long as they're based on truth. But let's only talk about what people want to hear and just love one another. Well, where does true godly love really come from? What is the source? Paul tells us in this passage, 1 Timothy 1, chapter 1, and verses 3 to 7. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Paul taught doctrine, doctrine he received directly from Jesus Christ, and now he is charging Timothy. He's taught Timothy these same doctrines, and now he says, teach every congregation I send you to these same teachings, these same doctrines, and don't give heed to any other doctrine that contradicts what God's revealed to me to be the will of God. Verse 4, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. People say sound doctrine causes division. That's not true. False doctrine causes division. When we all receive truth, there's nothing but unity and fellowship when we all agree with what God says to be true. And so Paul says those things cause disputes. Verse 5, now the purpose of the commandment, now, now what, what was the commandment he just gave? Teach no other doctrine. So that's the commandment he's talking about. So what is the purpose of doctrine? It's love from a pure heart selflessness from a good conscience because you've done what you know to be the will of God and from a sincere faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. Oh, they talk, they teach, they preach, but it's empty. If it's not truth, if it's not according to the revealed will of God as revealed in the Bible, it has no power whatsoever to build you up spiritually and to get you ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Desiring to be teachers of the law, 
understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. There's a lot of that going on today among God's people, isn't there? Doctrine doesn't matter, they say. According to the Word of God, it's essential to know these teachings. It's the only way that I can love God as I should. It's the only way I can love you. And so what is the scriptural balance that should characterize our attitude toward doctrine, toward doctrine, towards these things? We know from the Word of God, we, we can't think that people have to know us. They have to come to our church before they can know God or know his truth. No, we know that's not God's will. And yet we know the truth matters. It's important what we teach. It's important what a church proclaims, what a local assembly proclaims. We know it's important, apparently. So what's our balance? Romans 15. It is for us to understand that the source of truth is God the Father, God the Son. I'll just give you the balance, and then we'll look at some scriptures as we have time. The balance is to know people don't need to know Doug Crook. People don't need to know Abundant Grace Fellowship. They don't need to know Grace and Glory or any other church or any other teacher you want to talk about. They need to know Jesus. Where do you know Jesus? From the Bible, from the proclamation of the Bible, the proclamation of the good news. This is why our message is important, why a local church is important. People need to hear about Jesus. Only Jesus can save But then those who accept Jesus, they also need to grow up spiritually. The only way they can do that is by knowing these sound doctrines that will change them, that will transform their life little by little, day by day. When you're saved, you're not everything God wants you to be. You're complete in him because there's nothing lacking for you to stand before your creator accepted. You're complete in him, but... He wants you to grow to the point that you can actually sit in the throne with Jesus Christ one day and rule and reign with him. Your home in heaven, sure, it's secure. But he's preparing a bride, as we'll consider, Lord willing, in our next lessons, to be the eternal partner of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important for for us to understand it's the Holy Spirit that reveals truth. I can't convince anybody of these doctrines. I've known many a Christian that try to, through debate, through intellect, try to convince people to believe these truths. It's pointless. If the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal it, it doesn't get understood. Our part is to simply proclaim it, not convince, but to say what God says. Give people the opportunity to hear it. Some will and some won't. But if someone's going to understand these truths and let them transform their lives, it's only a work of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not dependent on me. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that I don't have to, and the temptation's always there, the pressure's always there. You, you know, Brother Doug, you need to be entertaining, you need to do this, you need to keep people's attention. You I believe that the, those who proclaim the Word of God, myself, that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to develop our ministry and our, our ability to communicate. I do believe that, and I make an effort to do that. I always come prepared, but I also understand It's not on me or my preparation for you to understand these truths. It's the Holy Spirit. And if he doesn't do it, I can't do it. But if we will receive it, these doctrines will transform our life. They'll make us everything we need to be in this life and in eternity. Romans 15, verses 15 and 16. Paul wrote in Romans 15, 15, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you and on some points as 
reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul was chosen by God the Father, who's the source of truth, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his ministry. The triune God chose the Apostle Paul as the vessel to reveal his will for this church age. This is why The vast majority of the epistles written in the New Testament are by the Apostle Paul. The other epistles do not disagree with what Paul wrote, but Paul's revelation was the full revelation for this church age. We don't exalt Paul, we just acknowledge the place that Jesus, the head, gave him as the one who was the minister to the Gentiles, to to you and me, to the church. The Holy Spirit is the t- teacher. If you want to jot down 1 John chapter 2 and verses 20 and 21, there we see it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. 1 John 2 and verses 20 and 21, then also jot down verse 27. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that reveals truth to the heart. He uses human instruments to proclaim that truth, but it's the Holy Spirit that takes it and gives you an understanding. And it's not an intellectual understanding. It's just that assurance in your heart, this is truth. This is true. Starting with salvation. It's true. I'm a sinner. It's true that Jesus died for my sins. You you may not be able to explain all of that intellectually, but when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, there was just that overwhelming assurance, Jesus is my Savior, and I have eternal life. Not because I deserved it, not because I'm such a good person or because I've, I've turned over a new leaf, but because Jesus paid the price of my sin. The Holy Spirit brought that conviction and brought that understanding. The Holy Spirit can teach anyone these truths who has an open heart to receive truth. First Timothy 3, our attitude toward truth should be this. It matters what we teach. It matters what local assembly you attend, not because they're the source of truth, but because what a local assembly teaches and preaches and proclaims matters because only sound doctrine is going to build up God's people. Only the preaching of Jesus Christ, faith in him and him alone is going to bring salvation to anybody saying that we are sinners born in sin is a truth that we have to proclaim. No, it's not pleasant. No, it doesn't make people feel great. And it shouldn't. Someone tells you you have cancer. That's not going to make you happy. But if they tell you they they have the remedy, that will make you happy. But if you didn't know in the first place you had it, and you didn't take the remedy, that's tragedy. That's sadness. But the Bible says you're born in sin. But thank God it also says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So it matters what an assembly teaches. It, it matters what you embrace as true. First Timothy three fourteen and 15. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. It matters. Which is the church of the living God and it is the pillar of and the ground of truth. So my attitude toward truth is I'm not the source, 
But this local assembly has the responsibility. We have been charged to proclaim the truth. And it matters whether we are faithful or not. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. It matters that you preach truth. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. You can jot down 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 12 as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, where Paul told Timothy, you teach these truths, these doctrines to other faithful men. So that's our attitude toward truth. It matters what I believe. It matters what my church believes and teaches, whether or not we say what God says in his word. It matters. Paul teaches us that each believer, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, we are stewards of truth, of the mysteries of God. It's required that stewards or administrators, is what the word means, it's required that those who administer the mysteries of God, the truth of God, it matters that they're faithful to that or not. So this is why we believe that truth matters. Let's close with 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26. This is our attitude toward sound doctrine, toward truth. We're not the source of truth. Truth matters. But knowing truth shouldn't lead to arrogance. Knowing truth won't make you ignorant either. This is the balance. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That's a challenging passage. It's a divine balance that only the Holy Spirit can produce in us. God has graciously revealed to us the mysteries of the Almighty God, his plan and purpose for humanity. I know that because he graciously revealed it to me, not because I'm so smart or because I figured it out. By his Holy Spirit, he graciously gave me an understanding of what life is all about. And now I have the responsibility to share that truth with whoever will listen, with humility. It's not, I know more than you, and so you need to know me and what I know. No, with humility. I don't deserve to know these things, but man, I have to share them with you. They're real. They're eternal. They're from God. And yes, there's correcting that's involved. When you preach truth, it corrects error. And people don't like that. If they're in error, they don't like to be corrected. But truth corrects error when it is proclaimed, and especially when it's proclaimed from one who is living the truth, according to the truth. And the reason that we share in humility is not so we can say, look at me and what I know, and you need to do what I tell you. No, that they also, those that have fallen into error, whether it be, first of all, a rejection of salvation, 
or whether it be a, a fellow Christian who rejects many of these sound doctrines that we've studied, that when we are faithful to live and to proclaim the truth, it gives them the opportunity to believe it as well and to be transformed by it. And that is our attitude toward truth. It matters. We've been charged. We are the, the pillar and the ground of truth. If we don't proclaim these messages, these doctrines, these teachings, who's going to do it? The fact is God will find some willing vessels. But why not me? Why not you? So we'll finish up, Lord willing, our series next Sunday. It might take two lessons. We'll see. But when we reach that pinnacle doctrine of the bride of Christ, to which every other doctrine we've considered points to, we'll understand that it's not a matter of arrogance that we preach these things. It's a matter of great humility and simply saying what God says to be true for the glory of God and for the good of God's people. So let's have a song in closing. We'll stand and be dismissed with a song.